Welcome to the Shit Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Liz Broder. Are you ready to shoot the shit? Welcome back to the Shit Talk Podcast. I'm Liz Broder. I took last week off. Welcome back. Um, It's been a few weeks since I've had a solo episode, and boy, have I missed it. I hope you enjoyed my guests the last several weeks. I know I did. Um, But here we are. Welcome back. It's me. It's April 10th. We just passed Passover. We just passed Easter. And if you recall, if you've been following along with me since the beginning, you will recall that those two holidays and this week was milestone date goal number five. We're almost to Memorial Day weekend. How are you doing with your goals? If you're a newer listener and you have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about, that's Totally fine. First of all, well, please rate, review, and subscribe, first off. And second, um, please go back and listen to episode number two, where I detail how to beast the shit out of winter and turn it into your bitch. Long story short, I picked Memorial Day winter as the shiny light at the end of the brutal winter tunnel. And I went ahead and set these monthly, like, smaller milestone goals. So different dates in mind. And the fifth one was Passover slash Easter time. As the fifth goal. Helping someone to keep on track between, I think I set this in November. So it was like between November and Memorial Day weekend. So I had smaller goals. This is milestone goal number five. Check in. How are you doing? Have you started your goal? Have you fallen off track? If so, why? Where are you? Get yourself on track. If you haven't started, get started. You still have six weeks before Memorial Day weekend. Is there anything in particular health-wise, food, diet, sleep, stress, whatever that you want to accomplish between now and Memorial Day weekend? We're in the home stretch. And if you're not in the home stretch, if you're just getting started, get started. That's why I'm here to encourage you. Let's do it. Okay, moving on. On to today's hot ass topic, really hot topic, a topic you can't escape. It's all over the news, it's all over social media, it's all over anywhere. And I will, say, <laughs> I was about to say, you live under a rock if you've never heard of it, but funny story. I met someone last week who mentioned something about a weight loss drug. And so I said, you mean Ozempic? And they had no idea what I was talking about. So I guess they were, they knew that weight loss drugs existed. They'd never heard of Ozempic. So there are people that don't, won't know what I'm talking about, I guess. Um, But I'm talking about weight loss medications today. You may be familiar with Ozempic, Wagovi, or semaglutide, which is actually, so semaglutide is the main ingredient. That's the generic name for Ozempic and Wagovi. Those are the two I'll be focusing on. There are some others, but what are they? Why are they all the rage? How do they impact your shit and your gut? Because I can assure you they do. So here we go. What is weight loss medication? Or I will say, what is, as we call it in the dietitian community, medical weight management? So Ozempic is a weight loss drug and a class of drug that we call GLP-1 agonists. This stands for glucagon-like peptide 1. So glucagon-like peptide 1 is a hormone produced in the intestinal L cells and primarily in the ileum, which is your lower small intestine, and the colon. GLP, or just so you know, sometimes I call it GLP-1. GLP-1. I see it in my brain as GLP. That's not a specific, like, serious clinical nickname, but I will probably say that more often than glucagon-like peptide 1 and more often than GLP-1, because it's just faster. So GLP-1 is released in response to meal intake. And it has 
several actions. I have six broken down here. The first is to stimulate insulin secretion and inhibit glucagon secretion. And this helps control blood sugar levels because insulin and glucagon are our blood sugar regulating hormones. Small reminder, insulin helps lower your blood sugar levels after they've spiked and glucagon helps raise blood sugar levels if they dip too low. Second main action of GLP-1s is to inhibit gastrointestinal motility, and it also delays gastric emptying. So this helps to decrease your appetite because you're actually fuller faster and you're fuller for longer. This also helps maintain more stable blood sugar levels because you have less of that like sharp rise in glucose. And to be a little bit more clear, a delaying gastric emptying. Basically, um, the digestive process is a little bit slowed. Things sit in your system longer. So gastric emptying, basically going to the bathroom, um, it delays this. So things are hanging around a little bit longer and this can cause actually some GI side effects like nausea, vomiting, constipation, which I'll get into later. Third point um, on GLP-1 effects, it has been shown to activate brown fat, which then helps increase your metabolic rate and this can help further with weight loss. Fourth, point is GLP-1s have been shown to improve insulin sensitivity. The fifth point is several studies have actually suggested that GLP-1 may help your body more efficiently manage glucose. And the sixth and final point is that GLP-1s have been shown to have direct effects on what we call hypothalamic feeding centers. And this is specifically because glucagon-like peptide 1 receptors are found in specific spots within the hypothalamus. So I listed six things there, but long story short, keeping it quick. The highlights are that GLP-1s help with blood sugar control. They help slow down or delay gastric emptying. They keep us fuller for longer. They decrease appetite and they help improve insulin sensitivity. So all this said, GLP-1s were approved for type 2 diabetes treatment because they not only have a significant effect on lowering blood glucose levels and blood sugar stabilization, which is very important for someone with diabetes, but they also have shown to aid in weight reduction, help lower blood pressure, and help improve lipid profiles. Lipid profiles meaning cholesterol, triglycerides. So Ozempic specifically was approved by the FDA in 2017 as a type 2 diabetes medication. And more recently, we've seen positive results in multiple clinical trials with other drugs. So in June 2021, the FDA approved Wagovi for long-term weight management in obese or overweight individuals, adults, excuse me, in obese or overweight adults. So Ozempic and Wagovi are basically the same GLP-1 inhibitor. Their main ingredient is semaglutide, but Ozempic was approved for type 2 diabetes treatment, whereas Wagovi was approved for the treatment of obesity. So now, this is where I'll rant a little as a dietitian. As you know, I, I, I rant. Here we go. It all sounds perfect and easy. Those six points I listed out all sound great. So immediately I'd be questioning that. Like if something's too good to be true, it sounds like it's good to be good to be true. It probably is. I'd also want to know what are the long-term side effects and on what planet do I get to become healthier without actually having to do anything but take a medication. So how is this solving? How is this solving all my problems? Please explain that. So first off, to be clear, some people don't know this. 
These drugs are injectables. They're not pills that you swallow. You are injecting yourself once a week with a drug that usually costs between $1,200 and $1,500 a month, of course, depending on your insurance carrier and the coverage. But on average, insurance covers X amount and you're paying out of pocket, you know, over a thousand bucks a month. So it's a very pricey needle. It's not ideal. Second, does anyone ever wonder about the longevity of the drug. So like if I was hearing about this, I'd be like, great, am I going to do that for the rest of my life? Like, do I need to be prepared to inject myself weekly for the rest of my life? Like, Forget about the financial commitment. Obviously, say you're paying $1,500 a month. That's a lot for a lot of people. Forget about that. So you had all the money in the world. Are you prepared to inject yourself every week for the next 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, however old you are? Like, think about that. If you're diabetic and you need this drug and you grew up pricking your finger for blood sugar readings... I totally get why the injection is no big deal because you're sort of already used to using a needle and it's also just medically necessary. And if you need this drug, it's a great option. Awesome. I'm talking more about people looking for like the quick effortless weight loss fix with, with you know, no diabetes, no pre-diabetes diagnosis. They're not necessarily struggling with obesity, but maybe they've got like a stubborn 10 pounds. Like, are you really going to do this forever? Are you really going to go on the drug forever? Because while Wagovi has been approved for long-term obesity management, what does long-term mean? Because like, what are we going to learn about this drug in three years, in five years, in 10 years? And also, back to my point, are you injecting yourself weekly for the next 30 years? Probably not. Um, my third point is that, and really the bulk of my shit talk, I want to talk about the nausea, vomiting, and constipation that are reported as some of the most common side effects from these weight loss medications. So first off, why? So when the digestive process is slowed, aka the delayed gastric emptying, food is moving more slowly through the intestines. So this has some positive side effects, like it keeps us fuller for longer and it helps with blood glucose control. It also helps delay appetite because you've got this food hanging around. You're full. You're hungry less often. You're fuller quicker, you're eating less. So those are all great things if you are needing assistance in losing weight and assistance with blood glucose control. Awesome. But I can say slower, everything's hanging around. It's going to lead to harder stools because as we know from my episode one, when the body has more time to extract water from stools, it leads to a harder, drier stool. It's harder to pass. It leads more so often to constipation. Dryer poops, they're not flowing out as easily. There are also reportedly less frequent poops because the GI system, as we said, is slowed. If your delay, if your gastric emptying is delayed or slowed, you're not going to the bathrooms often. So between dryer poops, which are going to be harder to push out and everything slowed, a lot of people report constipation while on these drugs. Um, and with early satiety, because of this delayed gastric emptying, it does help induce satiety more quickly. This can oftentimes lead to people feeling nauseous. And I try to explain it as like, almost think of like you overate really quickly and now it's hitting you and you're sort of like, oh, I'm so full, I feel sick. It's like that feeling. Not necessarily every time. And oftentimes your body just needs to adjust. But if you do eat too much or you don't listen to your body when it signals you to stop, that's oftentimes like when people report nausea and vomiting, it's due to that feeling. Um, and also important to note that is typically more an adjustment period. The nausea and vomiting are not as long lasting as say the constipation. So I want to recommend if you are taking them, 
eating more slowly, choosing smaller portions. This will help reduce that like, oh my God, I overeat. I feel so sick feeling. If you're taking a drug that changes the rate at which your body is metabolizing and digesting food, I would recommend changing the rate and in style in which you consume it. Because if you consume the same amount and you consume it at the same rate as you did before, you're definitely going to feel probably unpleasant, probably nauseous, maybe even vomit. Sadly, the constipation is less likely to go away. This is less of like a dose-dependent issue and less of, oh, my body's adjusting. The GI system is slowed on these drugs, so you're probably eating less in general. And everything, like I said, moving a little bit more slowly. This is not an adjustment side effect. This is just how the drugs work. So constipation, much less likely to go away, whereas the nausea vomiting, it may be an adjustment thing. It may be a few days hang in there. So if you are debating one of these drugs, that's a-okay. I just encourage you, please ask yourself why. Are you doing it for cosmetic reasons, social pressures to look better? Is it for health reasons? Are you diabetic or pre-diabetic? Are you obese and struggling to lose weight? You have to weigh out the pros and cons like anything. I also really drive the point home to people that you have to understand it's not lifelong. You need to really take it seriously that you're going to focus on healthier habits Because say you go on these drugs and you lose the weight and you don't change anything and then you go off the drugs and your habits are the same, what do you think is going to happen? You're going to gain the weight back. Why would that weight not come back if you're doing everything exactly the same? So, and before I get into advising against that, the one thing I do want to note, I've worked with several people on these drugs and they have mentioned it is hard to overeat on them because you feel just like a hard stop. Like you're eating and you're like, I'm full. Like you cannot put, take another bite. You cannot put any more food in that body. So again, you've got to be mindful. You've got to pay attention to those cues. But like I said, you've also got to change those lifestyle habits because if you don't change the habits, one day when you go off the drug, what do you think is going to happen? Okay. Here's what I advise as a dietitian and just based on what I've watched with people in the last several years. So use the motivation and the encouragement that you feel when you're on these weight loss. So let let me set the stage. Say you go on the drug, you're losing weight. You feel good. You're motivated. Use the motivation and encouragement you're feeling while you're losing this weight and that you're experiencing, the success you're experiencing. Use this to actually try and stick to new habits. This way, these habits become solidified while you're feeling good on these drugs. And then when you go off, you can maintain the loss long-term due to the healthier habits you've established. So this idea goes back to BJ Fogg. He's a behavioral scientist. He has a behavioral model we call the motivation wave or the motivational wave, and he encourages surfing the motivation wave. So this can be applied to any habit at any time. But basically what I'm saying here and the way I'm trying to apply it is that when you're feeling good, when your confidence is up, you're on the high wave. So say you're at the height of that wave. Use this time at the height of that wave, take this time to take risks, pursue new things, work on trying different habits, on making them last, on sticking with it. Because you're more likely to succeed. You're more likely to stick with it. You're more likely to not get discouraged as quickly because your confidence is up. You're feeling good. And that's the whole, that's BJ Fogg's concept of like riding the motivational wave, taking bigger risks while your confidence is up. So like, I know with a lot of clients, people say, oh, I'm doing everything right. I'm not losing weight. I'm frustrated. I give up. They self-sabotage. They throw in the towel. First off, as a lot of you know, who have 
been listening to several of these. I always say it, but that's oftentimes just due to a lack of realistic expectations with the timeline, with the with the loss rate, with a lot of things. But my main point here is that if you're on these drugs and you're losing the weight and feeling good, and you know you're not going to be on this drug forever, use the time to your advantage to work on healthier habits because seeing success is motivating for most people. So if you're on these drugs, you're losing weight, you're motivated, you're feeling good, pursue new health endeavors like the gym or working out more, working on your diet, working on your hydration, stress management, sleep, whatever it is that you either got discouraged from working on before or you tried and you threw in the towel and you just didn't want to stick with it or things that were just really intimidating, whatever it is, get started. Try it. Work to solidify these habits because odds are you're going to have more success while you're on the peak of this wave and you're working on new habits. Odds are you're going to have more success in actually solidifying these habits while you're feeling good. And then down the line, when you go off the drug, you have healthier habits in play. So you're much more likely to keep the weight off. I, If you have no idea where to start, if you're like, I have perfect habits, so I have nothing to change, which, you know, there's a million problems with the person who says that, but I won't even touch that one. If you don't know where to start, you're on the drug, you're losing weight, you're feeling good. I encourage you to start with water, fiber, and movement. Why these three? These three are very specific because they can help combat constipation, which most people report experiencing on these drugs. And I can tell you just from being a dietitian, most people have room for improvement in their hydration, in their fiber intake, and in their movement. So if you are one of the few people that does not have room for improvement in one of those areas, I guess the following is, is, is not applicable for you. But for most people, don't know where to start, look at those. I encourage you to play, pay much closer attention to them while on these drugs, simply just due to the constipation factor and due to the fact that you probably do have room for improvement on them. So a brief overview, combating constipation, water. Make sure you're getting half your body weight in ounces. So if you're 200 pounds, aim for that 100 ounces daily. Obviously more if you're in a hot climate, more if you're sick, more if you are working out. Point number two, fiber. So many people have room for improvement with fiber. You should be getting between 25 and 30 grams daily. I usually say aim for 10 grams per meal. If you're upping your fiber, do it gradually or it can lead to gas and bloating. Make sure you're getting adequate amounts of water or it can be constipating. So these are things that go hand in hand. You're upping your fiber, gotta up that water. And the third is movement. So walk for 30 minutes a day. If you already walk for 30 minutes a day, walk for 40 minutes a day. Do it more frequently. Get your body moving. It helps stimulate gastric motility, aka movement in that GI tract. It's going to help combat constipation. So ride this wave all tie. Get the most out of it. Establish new habits because you want to maintain the success you have. Let's assume you have success on the drug. You want to maintain those results and you're only going to maintain them with habit changes. So pick habits to work on. Pick things that historically you have tried and failed or tried and gotten discouraged by. And like I said, if you don't know where to start or if you are experiencing constipation, water, fiber, movement, that's automatically where your attention needs to go. Now, I just want to say, I feel badly because a lot of people who actually need this drug, Ozempic or Wagovi or semaglutide, a lot of them feel shame because it's seen as a quick fix. And there, you know, there's never any shame in taking a pharmaceutical that you need for whatever clinical reason. If it's making you healthier and you're a candidate and your doctor prescribes it, thinks you're a good fit, 
Why is there shame in that? I have a patient who I used to see. She moved. She sees a different dietitian now in person. And we still keep in touch. Um, we had a nice bond. So she keeps me posted. I give her my two cents on things. And she recently mentioned she started Ozempic and she feels so much shame. She's like, you know, it's seen as like a quick fix or the easy way out. And she feels badly about it. And there's no reason for her to feel badly. She's a candidate for the drug. Hopefully it helps her. She specifically said it's actually been a slower rate loss, but it's, it's, she's losing. It's slower, but she's losing. Um, but there's no shame in her taking it. And, you know, for people you have to weigh, you know, again, weigh out the pros and cons. What are your reasons for taking it? Is it clinically necessary? Why would there be shame in that? Um, if it's something, you know, a lot of people, as I mentioned on most of my episodes, a lot of people are just fucking lazy. They don't want to do the work. They don't want to put in the time. They're impatient. They want the instant gratification. If you have 10 stubborn pounds to lose and money is of no object and you don't want to make habit changes and this is a quick fix, again, fine. That's your business. That's between you and the doctor. It's not to say that there's shame in that, but I would say, you know, again, you've got to look at your habits because once you go off the drugs, it's not necessarily going to be long-term success if you don't actually change anything. Um, but again, uh, again, 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 no no shame for anyone taking them. You need to weigh the, weigh the pros and cons and you need to decide what is best for you. I feel badly though when people who really need the drug, now that it's become such a like Hollywood thing, like everyone knows the Kardashians are on them, but they won't admit to it. It's like, you know, and again, it's not necessarily that they're shame that they're taking them. You know, I wouldn't necessarily, necessarily say Kim Kardashian is a candidate for Ozempic, you know, uh, clinically, as far as I know. She's not exactly a candidate, but again, I haven't seen her lab values. I know nothing about her health history. It's just now it's become, you know, kind of like a hot, sexy, Hollywoodized thing, glamorized thing. So that's where the shame comes around it. And also just that it's seen as a quick fix. It's not a quick fix. And like I keep beating to the into the ground, it's definitely not a quick fix because you need to change your habits or odds are you will gain the weight back when you go off of them. So all the, lots of things to consider. No shame. If you're a candidate and it makes sense for you, great, go for it. Be mindful of constipation, nausea, vomiting that people experience and really use your time on the drug to work on healthier lifestyle habits and work on things that perhaps previously you lacked the motivation to do or you lacked the confidence to do. But, but now that you are seeing results, seeing success on the drug and feeling better, do something maybe before you didn't have the confidence to do. That's like, in my opinion, that's another way to get the most out of this drug. Like, yeah, it's doing what it's doing in terms of the GLP-1, but like, how are you feeling now that you're having this success? Where can you work on making your lifestyle healthier? So that's my spiel for today. I think there will probably be another episode on weight loss drugs in six months, 12 months when even more shit comes out or they have more or finally someone has, you know, a horrible reaction and there's a lot to say about it. So I'm sure this is not the last we will talk about Ozempic or Wagovi and semaglutide on the Shit Talk podcast, but that's all for today. Have an amazing day.